Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, it is so great to be with you via technology once again for another Facebook Live version of our uh, of our worship service. We're glad that you're here on this second Sunday of Easter, where we uh, we continue to celebrate that Christ is risen. And so uh, we're gonna just pray real quick, and then our worship team is gonna lead us in some songs. And uh, we do have should have the lyrics. Uh, visible for you so that can help you sing along in your houses this morning. But would you pray with me? God, thank you so much for this day. Uh, thank you for the Easter time uh, and, and continuing to celebrate that you are risen, that you are alive. Uh, we thank you for that and we thank you for what that means for our lives. We pray that you would uh, that you would be here, that we would sense your presence as we're here in the sanctuary and as our friends are at home in their living rooms or their kitchens. God, that your presence would fill each and every place and that we would worship and honor you in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship together. Man, I just want to say, I was thinking this morning how awesome it is. I've never been so thankful that when you guys are here, you have kind of like your assigned seats because I can assure you that as I stand here, I am looking out to those specific places, imagining you here with us. So I just want you to know you are missed. You are loved. Um, I'm excited to worship this morning. We're going to sing this song, Desert Song. I love about, uh, What I love about this is it speaks to the different seasons of life. And I feel like right now we are all in somewhat of a similar season, but yet so different because I feel like um, a crisis like this just affects so many people differently, um, yet God is still good. And God still meets us exactly where we are, and we have so much to praise him for. So let's sing this morning.
his voice Seas that are shaken and stirred Will be calmed and broken for my regard Through it all, through it all My eyes are on you Through it all, through it all is well
as we sing that together as a congregation that is not even in the same place, I just pray that you um, would help us all to be encouraged knowing that we join together in unison as the full body of Christ, that all around the world, people are saying, it is well with my soul. And God, I just ask that you would bring peace to the hearts that might have trouble saying that. Peace to the hearts that, that, that struggle to know it is well. God, would you just give us an overwhelming sense of your peace that is surrounding us, knowing that you are with us, carrying us through this storm. We love you, God, and we ask that now uh, we would just have open minds and open hearts to what um, Mara and Pastor Paul are going to bring um, to us that we know you've laid on their heart. We love you, God, and help us to live like it. Amen. Well, good morning. Um, I think one of my favorite things about um, this opportunity to live stream, to watch church in our houses, is that I know that you guys are sitting there as a family. So we aren't all split up. We aren't in our different places, but we are getting to enjoy church together as a family. And, um, you know, we don't believe that there's a junior version of the Holy Spirit. We don't believe that um, you have to be an adult to fully understand and, and to grasp and to live out this life following Jesus. Um, so we celebrate that we are all in different phases of life, different phases of our development. And so I invite you to join me for um, what we're kind of calling a next-gen moment here. And um, I've brought a balloon to help me with this today. So I'm sure um, at some point in my life, someone showed me a balloon and like any kid, I probably asked, what's inside of it? I mean, the balloons, I feel like, are, are pretty magical. It's just this round ball. And I know that I'm sh someone had to have told me at some point that there was air inside. And so I'm mulling this around in my head. Air, okay, how do you get the air in? How come it doesn't come out? What do you mean there's air inside this balloon and I can just carry it around with me? So I did what? Any, any good kid's going to do, right? I'm asking some questions. I'm investigating. And at some point... I had to figure it out for myself. So what's the best and quickest way to figure out what's inside of a balloon? Well, that's to let, let it out. So that was a pretty good confirmation for me. There is air inside of a balloon. And from that, I kind of grew, and I don't need to let all of the air out of every balloon that I see to start to have this understanding and this belief that if a balloon is big and round, it has air in it. And I even progressed through that to know that if a balloon is big and round and floating, it has a special kind of air in it called helium. And if it's sitting on the ground, then probably not so much. Now, today, as we talk about our faith development, we talk about doubt and questions, um, I think sometimes we think about our faith like it's a balloon. And so starting from the time that we're really young, we, uh, we learned some Bible stories. <sighs> We sing some songs together. We go to church. We go to Sunday school. And before too long, we've filled up on a lot of things that we know about God. Um, and then I think some fear starts to, to creep in where we're afraid that if we ask questions, if we dig deeper into those things that we've heard and we've learned, that somehow... We're going to let all of our faith out, and it's going to be gone. But today I want to challenge you, as we are talking about Thomas, and we are talking about how he interacted with Jesus, that when we ask questions, when we dig deeper into our faith, we are actually showing that it is something incredibly valuable to us that we want to grow and develop. 
We're not going to let all the faith out. It's going to grow and become bigger and stronger inside of us. So kids, as you're listening to Pastor Paul here in a few moments, I want you to listen for a couple of things. I want you to listen for where Thomas was when he was having his questions, when he was having his uncertain moments. Who was he with? And then also, how did Jesus respond to him? Because Jesus, he is big enough for our questions, and I hope you're hearing that today in our story. Thank you, Mara. That was awesome. I wish I had a balloon illustration. Uh, that was really, really good, really, really powerful. Well, I've, I've lived a lot of different places in, in my life as I've grown up, and it's, it's interesting how you, you say you're from someplace. You might ask me where I'm from. I would say, well, I'm from Indiana. Uh, even though it's been many years since I lived in Indiana, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a Hoosier. And as I understand the, the phrase Hoosier, it comes with how we answer the door when somebody knocks. We say, who's here? And, uh, and so I've been a, a Hoosier. I, I've been a Jayhawk. I lived in Kansas. And I've been a Buckeye. I've been in Ohio for, for nearly 34 years now. But for a short time in my life, I lived in Missouri. And Missouri is called the show me state. Um, show me and I'll believe it when I see it. And this is a phrase that perhaps you've used in the past. Maybe somebody said something to the extent, someday we'll be seeing Pastor Paul broadcast on televisions and computers and smartphones. And you may have said, I'll believe it when I see it. We, we all have doubts. Uh, we, we believe maybe a deal is too good to be true. And and to be honest, doubts in life are, are not all bad. In fact, doubts are good. Uh, doubts cause us to investigate um, facts more clearly. Uh, doubts cause us to check details to make sure uh, that we're hearing things correctly. I, I've heard the phrase in my work life, there, there's never a bad question. And, and so doubts allow us to ask the questions which allow us to go deeper in, into our education, into our career. And so doubts are good. But what does doubt do to Christian faith? Doubt is an antonym of faith. As a matter of fact, in James 1.6, James writes, The one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. And so we understand that faith and doubt are not the same, that they work in opposition in a lot of ways. That The goal in our life is not doubt, but faith and trust. That's where God wants us. And so at times, we simply suppress or hide our doubts. I want you to hear me today. Suppressed doubts are not resolved doubts. That, that if there's doubt in our life, to, to simply suppress it or hide it does not allow us to move through our doubts to greater faith. Most of us relate to the Father in Mark 9. In Mark 9, beginning in verse 20, uh, the, the, the Father has a son who is, who's possessed. So they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening, Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy. The spirit often throws him into the fire, into water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. And the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. I relate 
to the statement of that father at times. That I do believe, help my unbelief. And as I've pastored and I've been in the church, I've heard many of you express the same thing. That, that you relate to the deep ache of this father's heart to grow deeper into his belief. That this father's not rejecting faith. He's saying, help me move into greater faith. Help me with my doubts. The father does not suppress doubt, but he moves through his doubt to get greater faith. In the passage for today, John 20, the the emphasis is Thomas. And and we sometimes call Thomas doubting Thomas. And, And as I think about that, I always wonder, what would be your biggest failure nickname? If you were going to be named or labeled and your Twitter handle was going to be based on your biggest failure, what would your biggest failure nickname be? In John 20, 19 through 29, it's Sunday night of Jesus' resurrection and he's been crucified and he's risen from the dead and the disciples have gathered, but Thomas is not there. And so later on, Thomas joins them and they tell Thomas, and Thomas rejects it. He shows this doubt. He says, unless I can see the nails in his hands, unless I can put my hand in his side, I can't believe. Eight days later, Jesus shows up again and, and Thomas is there and, and Jesus comes to Thomas and says, here, you, you, can, you can touch the nail prints in my hands. You can put your hand in my side and Thomas declares, my Lord and my God. And Jesus makes a comment, if if you believe when seen, how blessed are those who believe without seeing? I think Thomas' story is important to us. It's important in in a number of ways. I think there's some important things to see. The first thing to see is this, Thomas expressed his doubts. He didn't suppress them. He didn't hide them. He didn't, he didn't just nod his head when the disciples said that Jesus had, had appeared to them. But Thomas clearly expressed his doubts. The disciples did not reject Thomas because of his doubts. They didn't cast him out. In fact, Thomas was still with him, with them eight days later. And, and some historians believe the disciples purposefully went and got Thomas and brought them, brought him with them. You don't see in the narrative long conversations trying to convince. I'm sure there were some conversations, but, but you don't see a lot of dialogue back and forth of why he needed to believe and, 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 and what was wrong with him because he didn't believe. They, they, there, there's no evidence of him taking him to the tomb or bringing in additional witnesses and, and trying to convince him through just plain information. Jesus did not immediately return and resolve Thomas's doubts. Eight days. Eight days. And so this means that, that Thomas wrestled with this doubt, being with believers and disciples that had faith and believed. Thomas wrestled with this for eight days. And he continues to meet with the disciples, even with his doubts. They didn't cast him out. They didn't ask him to get lost. And Jesus doesn't berate Philip because of his doubt. As a matter of fact, Jesus very tenderly, in my reading of this text, addresses up front the doubts that Thomas was experiencing. Ultimately, Thomas's doubts are resolved. 
And he becomes this great soul winner in India. And ultimately, he's martyred for his faith. Doubting Thomas moves past doubt to this point of faith. Can I go back to my original point? Suppressed doubt is not resolved doubt. Most people have some level of doubt in their Christian faith and Christian experience. If you have any questions, I'll just be clear. Even this pastor at times has doubts in his faith. That that, that doesn't mean I'm I'm prepared to walk away or or I stop believing, but there's always a measure of doubt that we all wrestle with. I think we, we suppress doubts for, for three reasons. The, the first is we're afraid what others might think. We're, we're afraid that if we were to express that, hey, I, I'm doubting in this area, that our family or someone might think less of us. We belittle ourselves because of our doubts. We look around and we see everyone else and we think they're so sure and their faith is so certain and they can't be having any kind of doubt. And so we begin to belittle ourselves. The third reason, and this is a tragic one that I believe is, is often the case, your discipleship community, your church, your family, your small group does not allow doubts to be expressed. And when doubts aren't expressed, either our faith becomes stunted because the doubt's still there, even though it's suppressed, and and we're like James 1.6 says, we're like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. And so circumstances determine your faith level. And so in the midst of a COVID-19 epidemic, of a crisis like this, your faith is up and down depending on the newscast. Or we leave faith completely. Uh, Many young adults leave faith because they can't have real and open and loving conversations about the real doubts that they're experiencing. So what do we do with our doubts? Don't be afraid to express your doubts. The, The Psalms, I love to read through the Psalms, the Psalms express doubts. Psalm 13, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O Lord, my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will will say I've overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he is good to me. This psalm expresses doubts from the psalmist's heart. If you'll read this psalm, it's Psalm 13 in your Bible. It'll most likely say at the beginning of this psalm, for the director of music. In other words, this is a hymn. And so what God is doing through his psalms is not only inviting us to sing these songs of great trust, great is thy faithfulness, but he's inviting his people to sing doubt songs together, to join together and express where their faith may need to grow. Our doubts can be a catalyst towards maturity and greater understanding. I'm going to try to say this right, neuroplasticity. 
this is the brain's ability to reorganize itself by forming new connections throughout life. In other words, our brains are not meant to be static, but our main, brains are meant to grow and grow in understanding. Questions fire up brain neurons and engage the whole brain, and it allows our brain to explore new possibilities. In other words, our doubts with questions can create opportunities for God to stretch us to greater understanding. We, we must give space for expressed doubts in the midst of our faith communities, our church, our families, our small groups. And John, this is a high emotion story. Their, their leader, the one they love, Jesus, has just been crucified, brutally killed, and now he's alive again. And their friend Thomas is not able to accept it. In that high emotion moment, it would be easy to send him packing. Until you get your mind together, until you get your faith together, Thomas, we want you gone. But when you work things out, you come back. We have to allow space for people to resolve doubts and move into their faith. There's nothing more tragic that can happen in a church than those who are going through moments of doubt, be they young or be they old, have to leave our community to be able to ask their questions with safety. As a matter of fact, doubt questions, we want them to be asked here so, so that we can pray with you and talk to you and work through these issues. Finally, God may simply give assurance of his presence in response to doubt. He does not always answer the underlying question. Thomas's doubt in this passage was based on an underlying assumption or question. Dead people don't come back to life. When someone's dead and in a tomb, they're not supposed to come back to life. That was the underlying question. And Jesus did not fully resolve that question. Jesus was only present. In my life, doubts usually revolve around underlying questions. For instance, if we serve a good God, why is there so much evil and hurt in this world? In the midst of a COVID-19 crisis that seems to, to kill the most vulnerable, we, we wonder where God is in circumstances like this. And I know all the easy answers. I, I, I can quote them. I have quoted them. I, I can talk about how free will and our ability to choose. It's not God choosing, but it's us choosing. And I, and I understand all that. But if you've ever been involved in one of those conversations you'll realize that those questions continue to spiral until you go down the rabbit hole. What I found is some of the questions that I've had have not been fully answered. But I have found assurance in Jesus. When I come to a point where, where I can't resolve a question, when, when the doubt's still there, Jesus. So where are you today? Maybe you're experiencing doubts. 
maybe in the midst of the crisis. Maybe it has nothing to do with the COVID-19 crisis. Maybe there's something going on in your family. Maybe there's something going on in your relationships. But, but perhaps you're suffering with some level of doubt today. Find someone you trust. Thomas stayed with the other ten even in his doubts. I guess you can contrast Judas and Thomas. Both of them felled, and Judas abandoned the ten, and Thomas came back. And in his coming back, Thomas was able to experience the assurance of Jesus. Students, there's no dumb questions. None. You, you can ask your, your pastoral leadership. You, you can ask your Sunday school teachers, and we will not judge you. We will not belittle you. You can ask us the deep questions you have. I, I want you to own your faith. I, I want you to have a faith that you've walked through and you've grabbed hold of and you've worked through questions and not always finding answers, but finding assurance. I'm reminded as I'm bringing this to a close of 1 Peter 5.7. 1 Peter 5.7 says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I, I did some word study on that anxiety word and, and, and this care word, and it means a mind split in two. If that's not a definition of doubt, I don't know what is. And so we have Peter, who's, who's writing these words in 1 Peter, that experienced this. But P Peter had betrayed Jesus. He had denied Jesus, and, and yet he was able to come to Jesus and cast his anxiety, his doubts on Jesus. Th Thomas had doubts, and he was able to come to Jesus and cast those doubts upon Jesus. And so when John writes this, he saw this. He, he saw these individuals bringing their doubts and their anxiety to Jesus. And the truth is, Jesus didn't answer all their questions. Instead, he gave them assurance. Here's the point. The, the point of all this is not knowledge. If it was just knowledge, then God would have given us a textbook and he put the answers at the back of the book and we could work through and figure out all the answers. The point of this is faith and trust. So I'd encourage you, bring your doubts to Jesus. Bring your doubts here. And by the way, we really can't wait till here means here. But don't be afraid of your doubts. All of us can pray together. I believe. Help my unbelief. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we give you praise and thanks for your word. Because in your word we find illustrations, not just of the perfect, but the imperfect. And Lord, we see this person, this man, Thomas, that we, in a cavalier way, refer to as Doubting Thomas. Even though this Doubting Thomas becomes a great soul winner who's martyred in India. And Lord, we see his example. He had doubts. He expressed those doubts. And, and all, although all of his questions were not answered, 
He found his assurance in you. And so, Lord, I, I pray that you'll help us be a community where doubts can be expressed. And when these doubts are expressed, there'll be no wrongful judgment or condemnation. But, Lord, we will continue to lovingly pray for each other, encourage one another, and just be present for each other, even in the midst of doubts. Now, Lord, I pray for our congregation in the midst of this season. Uh, we may not be together in a building, but we're together in spirit. And Lord, as I've been encouraged to see those who've already logged on uh, to the Facebook live feed and have watched this service, and I know others will as well, I pray that you will bless them, that your face will shine upon them, and you will give them peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless folks.